your goodness and your grace and your mercy stand before you today. Thank you uh, for your love that welcomes us, your love that saves us, your love that reached down uh, to us in spite of us, not because of us. God, we thank you uh, that we can have confidence and trust in your love and in your redemption in the cross. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you give us humble hearts this morning, um, open hearts, open ears to hear the word that you've given to Pastor Joe today. In the name of your son, amen. And you may be seated. Well, this is a time change Sunday, or as we preachers call it, those who really love Jesus Sunday. So for those of you that are here, I'm thankful that you have a solid relationship with the Lord. For those that aren't, we offer prayer and forgiveness. This is the grace life. Um, my name is Joe Davis, one of the pastors here. We're continuing our series on 2 Corinthians. And by the way, before I get started, I want to thank everybody that did came, come out yesterday. Um, it was a, a lot of great work done. The upstairs looks amazing. If you're part of Grace Life and you haven't seen it yet, go upstairs, but just stay out of my office. Do not go in my new downtown office. You'll have to make an appointment. I'm sorry. But I want to thank the team that put that together. Uh, it was a great time of fellowship. A lot of people from Grace Life Recovery came out, which was really cool. Uh, and so I'm very thankful for that. It's, it's, it's a great, it looks like a church up there. It's really cool. I mean, a cool church, not a, all right, never mind. So anyway, um, we're continuing with 2 Corinthians. Uh, this week, this, the title is called Vulnerable. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 to 13. I'm just going to read the passage and let's jump right in. Paul continuing his conversation with the Corinthians. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. In other words, no barrier is in the way. We're not holding anything back. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, <clears throat> imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. I mean, it sounds like Walmart after Thanksgiving is what that sounds like to me, but... <laughs> It says, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters yet are true, as unknown yet are well known, as dying yet behold, we yet live, as punished yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. It's an amazing treatise he lays out in Corinthians 6. And basically what Paul explains is we have decided to be everything possible for you. So let's look at the history of the passage. Nothing to hide. Paul was an open book. I mean, think about it. There was confessions about his past. You know, when one of the attacks 
you know, Paul was defending his credibility as an apostle, right? One of the attacks was his past murderous persecution of Christians, especially Jewish Christians. So you could understand why some Jewish Christians would rise up and have such vitriol for the gospel that Paul would preach, right? Because one of his main jobs before God saved him was he would go out and find Christians who were Jewish, who had abandoned the Jewish faith, and he would put them to death, beat them. I mean, that's what his past was. You can understand why some people would attack him. And he didn't hide this fact. In fact, he brags about the fact of what he used to be. Let me tell you something. I was the chief of all the people who hate you. And he talks about it and he goes through and he's so vulnerable. As a matter of fact, his vulnerability of his past brought glory to what Christ had done in his life. You know what else he does? He admits his weaknesses. And in other places, in other epistles, he says, look, I have this weakness. I've asked God to take it away from me several times, but he hasn't. He's also talked about the fact, look, the things that I should do as a man of God, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I continue to do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. He says, I am the chiefest of sinners. Paul was very vulnerable about his weaknesses as a pastor. He was saying, I am not perfect. As a matter of fact, I'm sure now that I think about it, Paul would have driven a lot like me on 41. I'm confident of that. I know, and he would have confessed it as I do. You know what else? He was transparent about his finances. Matter of fact, one time the Philippians sent him some money, some gifts, and he said, I don't have a need right now, but I accept the gift on your behalf. He says, I know what it means to have need, and I know what it means to have plenty. He says, right now I have plenty. I just want to make sure you know that. I don't need this, but I'm taking it because you want to invest in the ministry. Paul was very transparent about his finances. You know what else he was transparent about? His willingness to express his fears. Even when facing death, he would talk about it. And Paul had sacrificed much for the benefit of the Corinthian church. He explains, look, our heart is wide open. I've gone through all these things for you. The beatings and all that stuff. And he encourages the Corinthians to be the same with those around him and around them. That's the historical part of this today. Let's talk about the theology. What does God do and why and how does he do it? I want to talk about the miracle of vulnerable living. Guys, Paul wasn't vulnerable with the Corinthians because he was a special person. It wasn't because he was so godly. There was only one reason why this guy could be so vulnerable with these people. It was supernatural. It was miraculous. It was created by that day on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus for the first time. It was supernatural. So let's talk about his supernatural vulnerability toward the Corinthians. See, God had enabled Paul to endure more than most of us would ever be willing to endure for a sake of people that were one time disloyal to us. Think about that. This church was disloyal to him at one point, but he was willing to endure all those those things for them. And the only way he could do that was supernatural. He endured, he lists them all, afflictions. I've endured hardships. I've endured calamities. I've been beaten. I've been imprisoned. I've been a subject of riots. I spent sleepless nights. 
Paul was able to do all of this, not because he was a great man, but because God had worked a supernatural miracle in his life that was a direct result of the gift of faith. So understand his vulnerability, his open book heart was because of Christ, not because of him. Let's look at the results or the catalyst for vulnerable living. The fruits of the Holy Spirit, he says this in verse 6 and 7. It's pretty amazing. He says, I've gone through all these things for you by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, fruits of the Spirit. He basically says the reason I've been able to do all this is because of the Holy Spirit. He says, by truthful speech, the gospel, and the power of God, and the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, the reason for Paul's vulnerability was the Holy Spirit has wrestled away control of his life from his own affair with his own personal affections. The Holy Spirit had grabbed a hold of him on the road to Damascus and said, Paul, why are you fighting against me? And the Holy Spirit ripped away from Paul all his religious arrogance and pride and his desire to selfishly control his life so that he could fulfill his own personal affections, whether they be religious, monetary, popularity, any of those things, the Holy Spirit had ripped control out of Paul's life and taken control of him by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, genuine love, truthful speech. That's the catalyst for his vulnerable living. This is what God is doing. It's a miracle. The Holy Spirit is the catalyst. And look at the results in Paul's life of the vulnerable living. The first one, he says, we have honor during dishonor. While other people are dishonoring us, we have honor. It's crazy. The dishonor that other people paid him was irrelevant to him because he knew that in Christ, he was full of honor because of the work of Christ on the cross. You know what else he says? We have life while dying. Knowing that earth is a mere shadow of the life to come, he had a heavenly perspective to understand. He even said one time, look, it'd be far better for me to be in heaven right now, but I'm willing to be with you here for a little bit longer because you need the help. And he says, I have life even in the midst of this body that is dying daily, sometimes in prison, sometimes being beaten, sometimes in calamity, sometimes in hardship, sometimes in hunger and in famine and in sleepless nights. He says, I have joy and sorrow. Do you guys remember one of the very first things I taught you in the Corinthian series was the definition of joy? It is a supernatural, full satisfaction with God's presence over anything else. That's what joy is. Remember, we always talk about joy in a church. We don't really know what it means. It doesn't mean you're smiling because sometimes you're sad when you have joy. It's a supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God over anything else. He says, I have joy in this passage. I have joy in sorrow. And until you've gone through real sorrow and had the Holy Spirit wrestle control away from you and comfort you, you really can't understand that. You know what else he says? Another result of vulnerable living He says, I'm rich while poor, while poor making other people rich. Paul had been given because of the gift of faith and the spirit of God, a heavenly value system. Notice how the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit allows Paul to live in the opposite direction of what his physical life was presenting him. 
right? His physical life said dishonor, dying, sorrow, and poor. He says, no, I have honor, life, joy, and I'm rich. Everything the physical world around him was presenting to him, he says, I actually live in the opposite. Because he knew and understood what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. He says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. While we look not on the things which we see, but the things that we don't see. Because the things which we see are temporary, but the things we don't see are eternal. He had a heavenly value system. It was a result of his vulnerable living. All of this. All of this in Paul and the work that God had done in his life, all of this produced a heart that was, as he describes so greatly, wide open, vulnerable. It was a life fully lived for others. I think of an example of a more modern day example of Mother Teresa, a life lived for others. Reverend Billy Graham, a life lived for others. There's examples of people who really understood this transparent vulnerability like Paul did. So are you intimidated yet? Let's look at the devotional. I want to first talk about the obstacles to vulnerability. There's really one, self-love. Matter of fact, Paul says in verse 12 and 13, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as children, you should widen your hearts. Here's what he's saying. He is asking them to reciprocate vulnerability, but explains that what is keeping them from being like him in their vulnerability is their own affections. So let's talk about some of the things that stifle it. First of all, self-love stifles vulnerability. See, arrogance is the greatest obstacle to true vulnerability. It causes us to present a false image of who we are to others. And that's the opposite of vulnerable, isn't it? See, our tendency is to present that false image, a cleaned up version, the one that nobody really sees is at home. Maybe our kids see it or our spouse see it, but at church they would never see it. It's the polished side of us. The other thing we do is uh, uh, this this cleaned up version is a tendency to hide struggles. Or at least the ones that reveal glory for us. You know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll display struggles that, you know, like, for example, well, you know, I'm just a straight talker. That's who I am. (laughs) That's not vulnerability. That's actually arrogance. You see what I'm talking about? Instead of the one where, you know, I'm really struggling in sin in my life in this area. So self-love stifles vulnerability in that area. We want to present this cleaned up version. We want to hide our struggles. At least we want to hide the ones that would steal our glory. Then there's this part. Self-love contaminates vulnerability. You know, sometimes what we do is we'll use vulnerability to garner sympathy or to manipulate others into guilt to serving us. We're really good at that on social media in constant search of the sad emoji. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we're really good at that one. Or we're really good at making sure people know that they should ask us what's going on. 
How you doing, Pastor Joe? Oh, I'm fine. Are you? Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> what you're really saying is, pay attention to me. So sometimes we can use vulnerability in a manipulative way, right? To, to garner sympathy or to manipulate others into some sort of action that benefits us. It's also motivated uh, by self-pity. Designed to help us get things that fulfill our own affections. Yeah, it's just, you know, my car's not working. Do you have a new one? (laughs) See, here's my point. None of these can serve to build the kingdom. They only serve to appease our own affections. These things create conditions that cause distrust Division and a church restricted to its own affections, a church that does not have a wide open heart. Because contaminated vulnerability, which is what we're good at, is designed to bring people into your life to meet your needs. Emotionally, financially, spiritually, physically. But supernatural vulnerability is designed to meet the needs of others. That's the great test. If your vulnerability is garnering attention to fill your own needs, it's not real vulnerability. It's arrogant vulnerability. Self-love vulnerability. But if your vulnerability is designed to meet the needs of others, that is supernatural and not human. So let's talk about supernatural vulnerability. Let's just talk about it just for a few minutes. First of all, it starts with supernatural enlightenment from the Holy Spirit, that we're in desperate need of redemption, like Paul on the road to Damascus. I mean, that's where it starts. You're not going to be vulnerable and have a wide open heart with your church family unless God first intervenes. So stop trying on your own. Then it starts with becoming truly vulnerable with God. Because let's be honest, if you can't be vulnerable with God, Who are you going to be vulnerable with? I mean, the guy who already knows everything anyway and you still hide stuff from him? See, the only way to to begin to have supernatural vulnerability is to be able to recognize by the gift of faith your own total depravity. Let me say it again. The only way you can have supernatural vulnerability it starts with the step of recognizing your own total depravity. When we say, Jesus, I am as far from heavenly dad as a person can get. I am helpless without you. That is vulnerability. And when we let go of our affections for moral superiority over others, whether it be political moral superiority There's a lot of that out there today. Religious moral superiority, social moral superiority. When we let go of our personal affections to be better than other people or our religious success, then and only then can we start to understand the benefit to others of true supernatural vulnerability. So why is vulnerability so compelling to us? I'm not talking about the fake vulnerability. We actually are able to kind of pick that out sometimes, and we kind of roll our eyes at it. But why is real supernatural vulnerability so compelling, so attractive? Why is it something that we desire to have in our most important relationships? 
Why do we need it in a church? Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because it's the catalyst for relationships that go beyond the surface. You will never have relationships that go beyond the surface unless there is reciprocal, supernatural vulnerability given to us by the gift of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit that wrestles away from you control of your own life to fulfill your own affections and the desire to serve others. It is the result of relationships that actually last, whether they be romantic, friendship, church, brother, sister. These are the types of relationships, the ones that are founded on supernatural vulnerability. These are the types of relationships that make it through hard times. That can make celebrating actually real. And it's the sign of a healthy church, one that is swimming in supernatural vulnerability. Miraculous vulnerability that produces intimacy with Heavenly Dad and intimacy with all those whom He has called out of darkness into light through the gift of faith into His church. And you know what else it does? It pulls people outside into the family of God. Why? Because supernatural vulnerability, not self-serving vulnerability, but supernatural vulnerability is unbelievably attractive. And as a pastor, I have to tell you, I must constantly evaluate my level of vulnerability with you. Especially in a position where I'm up here every week. Is my vulnerability self-serving? Is it displayed to serve you as a congregation or am I displaying it to serve me? And as your pastor, I must constantly strive Just like Paul said, to have a wide open heart to you. One that is supernaturally vulnerable. Not in a self-affection fulfilling sort of way, but in a way that meets your needs. And let me tell you something. You must have your heart wide open to me. Just as Paul instructed the Corinthians. Because here's what we can learn about today from the vulnerability that Paul outlines in Corinthians 6. Supernatural vulnerability creates life-changing intimacy among God's people. To enhance the faith of our brothers and sisters around us, we must have it. Without it, you know what we are? You know what we are? Paul explains it in this passage. We're just little kids playing church. That's all we are. We can come Sunday after Sunday and enjoy the great band and fake like you're laughing at my jokes and say what a great sermon, shake my hand on the way out, and we never do anything else because we're not supernaturally vulnerable. We are just little kids playing church. We must have our hearts wide open to each other. Otherwise, we'll never succeed in what God has called us to do. As a congregation. Dad, we thank you so much for the example of supernatural vulnerability that you gave Paul. Thank you for saving him. Thank you for setting him free from his own personal affection so that he could serve others. And we beg you, Father, we are pleading with you, please do the same for each and every one of us.
Amen. As we prepare to leave this place today, we invite you.